Mike McEntee. Welcome to Thursday. We're almost done with the legislature. We're getting close. Uh, we kick these guys out of town here next week, and they've got a lot of work today to do, I should say. And now, Governor Mark Dayton today vetoed the Republican tax bill with some helpers. You guys ready for this? Yeah. Yes. You know, I say one, two, three, veto. How's that? One, two, three, veto! Yeah, those are kids helping with the veto. Governor Dayton did the veto at Bruce Vento Elementary in St. Paul to draw attention to one of his reasons for vetoing the bill. Republicans aren't considering his request for emergency aid for schools. So later on the program, we're going to hear some of Governor Dayton's reasoning and check in with Education Minnesota, the teachers union, on how bad the funding crisis is in some schools. And then what did Donald Trump mean yesterday when he said these people are animals? The White House is offering some scolding to the media about that, uh, telling the media that these are horrible, horrible people. Are you buying that? I'd like your opinion when we open up the show. The phone's here later on the show at 952-946-6205. And hey, by the way, today we are on Facebook Live in case you always wanted to see what I look like sitting in front of a camera because uh, radio on TV is just absolutely exciting. So, uh, but if you do, you'll be able to see my guest, and we're going to talk about that. Do you drink beer? If you do, it's likely you're drinking something that Teamster members are asking you to boycott. Truck drivers and beer distributors, J.J. Taylor, are they are locked into a labor dispute, and members of the Teamster Local 792 are asking for support of a temporary boycott of more than a dozen popular beers. Joining me to talk about that is Edward Reynoso, or Noso, excuse me, political director for the Teamsters Union in Minnesota. Edward, welcome to the program. Pleasure to be here, Mike. So uh, for those of us who haven't been paying attention, and I, we were talking before the show, this was kind of off my radar too. It's been going on for six weeks now. What What is the dispute about? You know, the issue strictly comes down to safety. You know, it's, it's, uh, the employer is, is looking to change their delivery methods and uh, their system. Uh, we believe the system that they're trying to put in place is, is risky uh, and could lead to serious injuries. Mm. Uh, so, uh, you know, normally in, in strikes you have uh, debates and arguments and strikes about wages and benefits and mm -hmm. so forth. In this situation, it's our safety. And so it's it's somewhat rare that uh, a union goes on strike for safety, but this is pretty important to us. So, so what are they asking you to do? I was reading that they're changing the routes or something. So it, it, it's now a one-man band thing, and that's that's part of the problem here. Explain to me how this is a safety issue. So historically, what the company has done, and uh, most in the industry have done, is delivered kegs, which weigh about 175 pounds on uh, average. I remember from from college, yes. So, so they're, <laughs> as you know, Mike, they're, they're not an easy task. Uh, what they've done historically, what J.J. Taylor did historically, is they had six or eight routes that specifically delivered kegs and kegs only. Uh, and that was a two-person crew. What they've decided to do is eliminate those keg routes and integrate those kegs into the regular package delivery system, the cases, the, the six-packs and 12-packs and so forth. Uh, at the beginning, when they tried to in, 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 uh, institute this uh, new delivery system, uh, it was just maybe a half dozen, 10 maybe max uh, kegs that were on these routes. But as they, they continue to eliminate these keg routes, uh, now we expect that there will be 50 to 60 of these kegs on every individual route. And that's where we've pushed back and said, not acceptable. Now, I was reading that they're saying, hey, you guys just need to know, to learn out, learn how to do this ergonomically correct. There's not going to be a problem. What do you say to that? We challenge them to do it. We, we challenge their ergonomic specialists to do it. Uh, anybody can, not anybody, because I got to tell you, I've tried to lift a keg myself and I can't do it. I, I can't. <laughs> I always had help. Um, but their ergonomic specialist is going to show you how to lift a keg mm -hmm. uh, up onto maybe another keg. But he's not going to be able to show you how to do that. 50 or 60 times a day. And the other thing to consider, Mike, is in St. Paul and Minneapolis, it's unlike any place else when you, where you deliver. If you're up in Blaine, you're not going to be delivering kegs down into basements. Mm -hmm. Yet in Minneapolis and St. Paul, you got a lot of old bars that all of those kegs, most of them have to go down into a basement. And in many cases, these are old, narrow, sometimes slippery 
uh, stairs that they have to go mm -hmm. down because they're sometimes adjacent to kitchens. And so we think it's just, it's unreasonable to expect one person to take those kegs down. I mean, essentially what you're asking somebody to do is take a refrigerator and bring it down a bunch of steps by themselves. That's, I mean, that's what this sounds like to me. It, it gets crazier because if you look at it, you can't, you can't put one keg on a hand truck by itself and go down a, uh, a flight of stairs because what will happen is as soon as you hit that first step, it'll pull you forward. Mm -hmm. So you actually have to put two kegs on, on the oh hand truck. So okay. now you're talking 350 pounds. Uh, we just think it's, it's a, a dangerous accident waiting to happen. And, and we believe OSHA has come out with standards and, and has said that uh, when possible, kegs should be lifted with two people, not one mm -hmm. person. And they themselves have cited that it's a dangerous activity. It's a dangerous job to have and will lead to, to serious injury. Now, as we said, this is a strike that's been going on against J.J. Uh, Taylor now for about six weeks. Uh, what's what's been the impact? I mean, uh, I mean, how how much stuff is, <clears throat> is is stuff not getting delivered, or is it being delivered anyhow? Well, it depends who you ask, right? Okay. We know on an on an average day, there's uh, forty five to fifty trucks that go out when we're we're delivering. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, they may have eighteen to twenty trucks, and sometimes even less than that. Uh, we know we've spoken to some of their customers, and some of their customers have told us that it's easy to not accept deliveries from, from them because they've limited the amount of products that they're offering for sale. Uh, so we know the impact of this boycott that you mentioned earlier is having an impact on the, on the business itself. Mm -hmm. uh, now, if you ask them, they're delivering to all 3,400 customers, and, and they, they aren't, their, their system hasn't skipped a beat. Talk to customers, they'll tell you otherwise. Okay, so they're using scabbed labor right now to, to get these out. So from the very beginning, this company decided that they were going to challenge, uh, they were going to push back and demand that we work in unsafe working conditions. They hired an out-of-state outfit mm -hmm. uh, named HuffMaster that has come in and supplied security, supplied workers from day one. And yet uh, the, the quality of the job that they're doing is far lower than what our, our members have done. Look, I mean, this company has been built by the investments of its owner, no question. But the hard work from our, our drivers and our warehouse workers have made this company successful. The hard work that they've developed in, in building those relationships with these customers, and when these customers ask them to, to rotate uh, whether it's product or, or put that in a special area. Our drivers never say no. They do it real quick and, and happily do it, offering that good service. These scab drivers that are delivering these products now just drop it and go. And many of these customers have had it. And so they, they would definitely love for us to come back. So you're obviously you're having some sort of communication with the bar owners and the, the liquor stores that have this. I mean, what's, what has that been their stance? Are they supporting the union in this? Or are they still taking the deliveries? How, how, they're kind of caught in a hard place here, aren't they? They are caught in a hard, hard place. And we get it. We, we understand that. But we believe that if they really want this strike to end, Liquor stores, bars, and restaurants will refuse deliveries because the quickest way to end this strike is to hit this employer in his pocketbook. If he's not making money, we know he's losing money already, but mm -hmm. if he's making zero money and, and on top of that losing money, uh, that's going to get him back to the table. Uh, right now we have a, a host of bars, a host of liquor stores, host of restaurants, uh, various throughout the, the, the region that have decided that they were not going to accept we call it rat scab scab rat beer products. Oh, that's a very attractive name for it. I got a label like that. Hey, it's scab rat beer. Yeah. Well, normally with it, you'll get the 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 green emoji face with the little throw up emoji right next to it. So uh, we're joking, but obviously the bar owners here, they're, they're obviously some of them are making decisions to support you. But they got to stay in business somehow. So they have to get product. Are they, are they having other ways of getting product or? Well, so here's the reality of it. You know, for instance, Grumpy's in Northeast is one sure. of our bars that uh, one of our supporters that has decided they were going to accept no J.J. Taylor products mm -hmm. at all from the very beginning. Uh, if somebody walks into a bar and is looking for a Miller Lite and you don't have it, they're not going to walk out. They're going to buy another beer. And whether you're a liquor store and if you don't have uh, Heineken, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going to walk out empty-handed. They're going, they're going into that liquor store to buy product. They're not going to walk out empty-handed. And so um, I think what's happened is a lot of these stores, like Party Time Liquor, Value Liquor, um, uh, Hopcat, Hopcat in, in Minneapolis, there's just a host of businesses that have decided to pull the taps of J.J. Taylor product and offer other products ah. in lieu of it. Okay. So uh, an alternative. So there's alternatives out there. Uh, by the way, folks, we're speaking, if you're just joining us, with Edward Renoso. He is the political director for the Teamsters Union in Minnesota. We're talking about the strike that's going on right now because as what we've been ch- chatting about, that the, uh, the deliveries uh, that the Teamsters are being asked to make are uh, – unsafe because of for many reasons and it's not it's not about wages you're telling me it's not about wages at all it's about the safety issue here and, and what's in, what's unique about this and it's somewhat bizarre uh the employer jj taylor has come out several times in in publications and in, in news media uh, saying that this the strike isn't about safety mm-hmm. it's about seniority which is bizarre because i've never heard of an employer telling the union why they're on strike we know we're, why we're on strike. They know why we're on strike. And the general public knows we're on, why we're on strike. And that's why we have, have received so much support from the general public. And, I, you know, I thank them because at the end of the day, we're not going to win this strike on the picket line at, in front of J.J. Taylor. We're going to win this strike in the streets hmm. by asking and pleading with people to help us uh, keep our Minnesota values when it comes to work ethic. Safety in the workplace is something that's really important and and the health of our members uh, to not get injured on the job every day uh, is is the utmost importance for us. So uh, we've been talking about what the stores are doing. You're appealing to the public, though, to get involved in here. And because the public buys the beer, this is where they can make some decisions. You've, you've got a list, and I think you can find this over at your uh, Twitter page at Teamsters792 is the Twitter handle. But you've got what I would say is kind of a list of uh, – I'm not a beer aficionado, but these are beers that I, you know I'm familiar with that you're asking people not to buy. Look, I've, you know this this is the only way we're going to win this strike. Quite mm-hmm. frankly, is if consumers send a message to this employer stating that we will not buy your beer if this is the way you're going to conduct yourself. Look, this is a Florida company trying to um, instill Florida work values in Minnesota. That just doesn't work. Uh, we believe that uh, Minnesotans do take their, their safety on the job seriously. And these beers that we're asking them to, to uh, boycott is, is just for the time being while mm-hmm. we're on strike. Look, Mike, there's, there's one fact about our region here. There's no shortage of different types of beers that you can find. Oh, we, we are famous <laughs> here in Minnesota for the, uh, the brewing industry, the, all, of, you know, all the various uh, – I, I, I don't drink this stuff, but, you know, all the various little brewers that are in town. So there's plenty of beer to choose from. You know, as a matter of fact, City Pages, uh, we thank them for this. They actually published an uh, alternative beers in lieu of a specific beer that, that ah, we're boycotting. Okay. okay. Now, what we've done is listed 14. They're, they're flagship beers that uh, we believe are their, their biggest sellers. Uh, I mean, let me give some people some names here so they know what we're talking about. We're not avoiding them. We're just, uh, we haven't gotten to the Miller and Miller Light, Shells. Uh, you've got Summit Brewing, uh, Red's Ale, Seagram's Four Packs, Heineken, Gold Spring Brewery, Guinness. Uh, you know, the list goes on here. Grain Belt Premium, Leinenkugel, Smirnoff Ice. So th- these are these are some of these brands that we're talking about. Those are all the rat scab beers that we're calling. <laughs> uh, look, there's alternatives for each one of them. Look, personally, my favorite on that list is Grain Belt, but there's no way in heck I'm dr- I'm drinking a rat scab beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what we're asking others to do, too. Now, if you go to their website, you can find out, you can see their portfolio includes a host of other beers, uh, but uh, there's just way too many to, to ask people to try to remember. So that's why we've listed the top 14. A lot, top 14 there. And again, you've got the entire list over on your Twitter page at Teamster792. That's where people can find this. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, well, we've been speaking uh, with uh, Ed Renoso of the Teamsters Union of uh, about the beer driver strike here. Anything you wanted to add before we have to run? Look, uh, we would love to continue the support from the general public while it's been phenomenal. Phenomenal. We ask that you uh, go to our, our uh, Twitter page, our Twitter handle, as Mike has said several times, Teamster792, and uh, that you follow us. 
uh, comment when possible. Uh, but we're also asking that you ask your local liquor store, restaurant, or bar to stop receiving the products from J.J. Taylor. As I said, this is the this is one of the, the quickest ways to end the strike is uh, to, to push this employer to understand that uh, Minnesota isn't going to put up with these uh, Florida working values and trying to change our Minnesota values uh, by uh, doing away with safety. And, and in the case where you can't get one of those, that one of those uh, establishments, bars, restaurants, or, or uh, liquor stores to not accept um, rat scab beer, as we call it, we ask that you consider taking your business elsewhere. Uh, we have a, a, a host of allies that we believe that respect uh, workers' right to a safe work environment, and so we ask that you uh, go to those places uh, and, and give them your business, especially if you're union. Uh, let's stand together on this, and I know that if uh, we're united and we continue to get the support from the general public as we have, we're going to win this with your help. And, and thank you, Mike. All right, Ed, we'll, we'll check in with you here to see what happens. We're into six weeks into this. I know strikes kind of get, uh, it gets a little bit uh, dicey after you get a few weeks in because everybody kind of forgets what's going on. But I uh, right. appreciate you stopping in and talking to us. We, we thank you for having us. All right. Hey, folks, we're going to take a break here. But when we get back, I want to hear from you at 952-946-6205. What do you think about Donald Trump saying some immigrants, quote, aren't people, they're animals? Open phones here next on the Mike McEntee Show. Talking. Back here in a few minutes. Downtowner Woodfire Grill in St. Paul is a perfect choice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Offering daily fresh seafood specials, fire-roasted meats, exquisite pizza, and half-priced bottles of wine on Mondays and Tuesdays, except on Excel Energy Center event nights. Once you experience their cozy fireside dining, extensive wine list, and bar, you'll be back for more. Gift certificates available, located at 253 West 7th Street with plenty of free parking, or online at downtownerwoodfire.com. Saturdays at 1 p.m., you have a chance at a fresh start, a new beginning. Hi, everybody. This is Freddie Bell, host of New Beginnings. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, spirituality, and even entertainment. Every day is a chance for a fresh start. Join us Saturdays at 1 p.m. for New Beginnings with Freddie Bell on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Mike McEntee back here on AM 950, 952-946-6205. I'd like you to weigh in on this because a lot of people have been talking about it. We played this soundbite yesterday on the on the show. Donald Trump, he, was, he had a whole bunch of people in from, well, I, all over, but it was basically the focus was on California, talking about, quote, sanctuary states, sanctuary cities. And I've, as I've mentioned many times before, that that term, sanctuary, is really a misnomer. It's about keeping people safe. That's why you have these laws that prevent the police from, you know, spilling their guts to the federal agents because people otherwise don't trust the police and you end up with more problems like that. But in any case, this was what Donald Trump was focusing on yesterday. And then he made a comment about he was, he was talking specifically about, you know, the gangs that come in from Mexico, but it kind of got a little bit broader than this. And he made this particular comment. These aren't people. These are animals. And we're taking them out of the country at a level and at a rate that's never happened before. 
And because of the weak laws, they come in fast. We get them, we release them, we get them again, we bring them out. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And so ever since then, uh, it's been talked about what did Donald Trump mean? And the White House has been, you know, trying to explain that today. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was out in front of the, uh, the White House press court today, and she got asked about this. And this was her explanation. What did the president mean when he said some immigrants are not people, they're animals? Uh, the president was very clearly referring to MS-13 gang members who enter the country illegally and whose deportations are hamstrung by our laws. Uh, this is one of the most vicious and deadly gangs that operates by the motto of rape, control, and kill. If the media and liberals want to defend MS-13, they're more than welcome to. Uh, frankly, I don't think the term that the president used was strong enough. MS-13 has done heinous acts. Uh, it took an animal to stab a man a hundred times and decapitate him and rip his heart out. It took an animal to beat a woman they were sex trafficking with a bat 28 times, indenting part of her body. And it took an animal to kidnap, drug, and rape a 14-year-old Houston girl. Frankly, I think that the term animal doesn't go far enough. And I think that the president should continue to use his platform and everything he can do under the law to stop these types of horrible, horrible, disgusting people. And uh, I will point out that Sarah Huckabee Sanders was reading pretty much from a prepared statement. She was ready for that question today. And Donald Trump was asked about this as well while he was meeting with the NATO Secretary General. Uh, He was asked about his comment that had been directed at MS-13 gang members. But again, and I'll go back to this, he's talking about people. He's talking about human beings. And the dog whistle here or the general, you know, the spread of this is that really he's talking to his base. He's talking about a lot more than just gang members here, but he wouldn't back down. He said, I refer to them as animals and he has in the past. And I guess what? I always will. So uh, Eric, let's, let's, let's listen to Trump bite one more time about, about what he had to say yesterday. These aren't people. These are animals. And we're taking them out of the country at a level and at a rate that's never happened before. And because of the weak laws, they come in fast. We get them, we release them, we get them again, we bring them out. It's crazy. Yeah, he's, he's, okay, so he's talking about gangs and killers, but he's also talking about more than that. This is attempt to paint people with a broad brush, which is what he has done in the past. 952-946-6205 if you want to jump in on this. Here's some of the opinion that we've been hearing today. Uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer uh, responded to the uh, president on Twitter saying, quote, when all of our great-great-grandparents came to America, they weren't animals, and these people aren't either. And House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi said that every day that you think you've seen it all, along comes another manifestation of why their policies are so inhumane. So here's, I mean, I boil this down to this. I don't care who you're talking about. Do you refer to them as an animal? Is I mean, we are all human beings. And yes, Trump will lump in here some people who have done some bad things. But do you still refer to them as animals? Is that the right way to is that the right way to get discourse going on anything? This is really about bullying people. This is, a, again, the way the Trump administration has, has always worked. Let's state it in the worst possible way possible and get people upset. Let's fire up the base. Let's go. And this is the problem. And then then they can stand back and say, well, we didn't say that. We, you know, the fact that somebody went out and created, a, committed all these crimes against minorities or immigrants and everything. We didn't tell them to do that. <laughs> Trouble is, you gave them the permission by painting somebody as an animal. And they're no longer human. And when we dehumanize people, whether it is in our, in our discussions or in our language, it is easier to hate somebody. And when you hate somebody, it is easier to take violent action against them. And we have seen nothing from the Trump administration that de-escalates this. Um, yeah, anyway, that 
It, it, we'll, we'll, if you have some thoughts, uh, 952-946-6205. But we do have to take a break here right now. And when we get back, uh, Governor De- Mark Dayton vetoed the tax bill today because he wants to force Republicans to fund education. How bad is it in the schools? We're going to dig into that next year on The Mike McEntee Show. Branding electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. The fine folks at Common Good Books will help you find the perfect book for you or the book lover in your life. Find a huge selection from a locally owned and independent bookseller in the Twin Cities. They are always bringing in top authors from around the globe for special in-store events. Open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Sundays, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Find Common Good Books at 38 South Snelling Avenue in St. Paul or shop online at commongoodbooks.com. Hello, AM 950 listeners. I am Tabitha Montgomery, Executive Director of Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association, taking a moment to extend a very warm invitation to our first annual Powderhorn Shark Tank competition, where our stellar panel of jurors have already selected several dozen amazing ideas from local makers, hustlers, and entrepreneurs from across Minneapolis. So mark your calendars for Saturday, May 19th, between 2.30 p.m. and 6 p.m. at Powderhorn Park Recreation Center, where you can join the fun and cast your vote for your favorite ideas across our expanding, emerging, and startup categories. You can also plan to enjoy the Shark Tank Marketplace, which will be stocked with many local businesses and also connect with a dozen or so business resources in our speed coaching zone if you're also working on your own big idea. See you on Saturday, May 19th. Hey, welcome back to the Mike McEntee Show here on AM 950. We are simulcasting on Facebook today, just in case you always wanted to see what I look like sitting in front of a microphone in an empty studio. This is your opportunity. Uh, We were talking last segment about Donald Trump's comment that uh, he referred to immigrants, and I will be careful to say it is not all, but it's some immigrants, but it's a blanket statement in my mind on many levels calling them animals. Uh, Julie from Minneapolis wanted to comment about that. Hey, Julie, uh, what? tell me what you think about this. Hi, Mike, can you hear me? I can hear you. Go ahead. Um, I just wanted to comment that, um, I don't know, it's so pathetic the way um, he frames things to attract his base and get them all riled up. If he had talked about this, MS-13 gang, which I just learned about today through mm-hmm. this program, and how horrific they are and how horribly, uh, you know, violent they are. No one would have a problem with, with this, but he painted such a broad brush saying that every um, one who crosses the border is like this gang member. Mm-hmm. And so so it takes Sarah Huckabee Sanders' um, prepared statement to tell us that, no, it's not everybody, it's just this gang. Well, the president ought to be able to talk about this gang in these terms and not have his minions have to explain for him 
um, I'll I'll get off and listen to your comments. Okay. okay. Hey, thanks, Julie. I, I mean, my point is, and I I don't care. I mean, yes, it is horrible that people act that way, whatever they may be, may be but we are all human beings. And I don't think we need to be referred to as animals. Uh, that is our uh, pro- provocateur in chief uh, acting that way. And that I don't think is presidential. We've forgotten kind of what presidential is these days. Uh, our leader in this state is Governor Mark Dayton, and he vetoed a tax bill today because he says he needs more education funding and it's lacking. He actually went to a school this morning and vetoed the bill and got some help from kids as well as pulling it off. He wants an additional $137.9 million to be spread among 553 school districts across the state, including at least 59 districts that are anticipating budget shortfalls. He gave us an explanation today of why he was vetoing the bill. This is for them. This is, you know, people say, well, we're not going to let the governor have a win. Uh, this is not about me. This is about these students and others and dedicated teachers and other faculty administrators who deal with the challenges that you can see represented here day after day. Very little credit, very little recognition, very little appreciation. And now that they have a need that's been identified, the legislature say, well, we'd rather give multinational corporations $200 million in tax forgiveness. uh, There's no forgiveness if we don't do the right thing. For these kids. So Dayton also says teacher layoffs are going to be draconian around the state if this funding doesn't go through. So what's behind the funding crisis for some school districts? Joining us to talk about that and some other education bills pending during the final few days of the legislature is Education Minnesota President Denise Speck. Denise, welcome back to the program. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Good to have you on. You just heard Governor Dayton. What do you think about what he's saying? <laughs> I I was so happy to um, watch him veto um, that tax bill um, and to have the the students as a backdrop, I think, was really important because um, this is about our students. Um, We have school districts that are laying teachers off. What that means for students is higher class sizes. We see students that are cutting art, music, physical education, that's really bad for kids. I guess the point is, is these cuts that are being made um, at the school di- district level, um, it may be cutting adults, but at the end of the day, it is um, harming our students. Now, you listen to the Republican rhetoric on this. They'll say, hey, we've given a lot of money to the schools recently. So what's the problem? Why are we having a shortfall? Why are we having a crisis in some districts right now? Well, the you know, there are a, a lot of reasons, but I'm going to point to two. One is something that you and I have talked about before, and that is um, school districts are still trying to catch up from the decade of disinvestment during the Palenti years. So the um, investments that Governor Dayton has made since he's been office in office have been very helpful. But when you have, you know, when you... Um, when we saw decades of disinvestment and deep cuts and um, programs being um, literally destroyed at the school district level, it's really hard to catch up. Um, so there's that. But um, I would also um, uh, ask that we consider one issue that's really been um, common amongst a lot of education groups, school boards association, the parent the PTAs, the the administrators, and Education Minnesota, and that is the special education cross-subsidy. We are seeing the gap um, in the costs of special education, the money that is coming from the federal government and the state. um, That gap is growing, and um, we cannot ignore the students' needs. We We have to educate our students. And so what's happening is school districts are having to make up that gap. They're having to fill the hole that the federal government and the state government are not um, funding, and it's coming out of the general funds. Um, That number is growing. Um, It's growing by the year. Um, And I would say, I think in 2020, it's predicted to be at $800 million um, that we're, I guess, you know, we're thinking that that's how big the cross-subsidy gap will be. So those are two examples, um, and, you know, there are many others. Uh, many others. Let me just drill down that on, on that just a little bit. Special, special education, it's not a 
case that we're having more and more special education students, I think, but you're saying the federal government and the state government are not funding that. Is that, I mean, is that something that the federal government has been cutting back here in just during the Trump administration, or has that been going on for some time? You know, the the federal government um, has an obligation to fund special education at 40 percent. They have never come close to that 40 percent. I don't know where the number is right now, but I think in my career of teaching, it has never been over half that. So, you know, we're looking, you know, we're looking at a big problem and it's not just the federal government, but it is our state legislature really needs to recognize, um, you know, what it costs and the unique needs of all of our learners. Um, And as a result, what we're finding is those general fund dollars are being used to subsidize those costs. So where are we seeing this hitting the most? Is it the rural schools, the metro schools? Is it kind of spread all over? Where where are parents seeing the biggest hurt right now? It's all over. I mean, we are seeing the effects of the special education cross-subsidy everywhere. So I, I would say that it's statewide. Um, where are we seeing layoffs? We're seeing that statewide as well. Um, you know, I've, I've been at all corners of the state probably within the last week. I was in Lind, Minnesota on Monday. I was up in Hibbing um, last night. And what we're hearing over and over again is um, budgets are tight, staff are being cut, and programs are being eliminated. Wow. We're speaking with Education Minnesota President Denise Specht. I, I got to go back to when I was in school, and I will tell you that's another century, but I don't remember teachers having to buy kids' supplies. Okay, this is how long ago I was in school. That never happened was it, when I was a kid. Of course, maybe we were using stone tablets back then, but <laughs> how, how long has that been going on? Because I, I look at that and say, that is crazy. We should be funding schools to the, you know, to the point that teachers have supplies for the kids. I mean, uh, I, 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 I don't have kids, so I don't know this stuff. Tell me how long this has been happening. Oh, my gosh. This has been going on for a long time. You know, I started teaching in 1989, mm-hmm. and um, I was buying supplies for my students back then. But back then, um, I might be buying pencils and crayons and glue, um, you know, halfway through the school year because what, you know, the – the students come to school on the first day with their supplies, and look, those don't last, you know, very long. They don't last certainly nine months of school. So, you know, back then I was always kind of filling in the gaps when kids ran out of pencils or, you know, things like that. Um, but now it's much more serious. We're not just buying, you know, pencils um, or erasers. Um, we see teachers that are crowdsourcing their classroom libraries um, they are filling in the gaps with grants, um, you know, for instructional supplies. But I think the hardest part, or the, I think the hardest thing to um, comprehend is that um, most educators are now buying basics. They're buying necessities. They're buying food for their students. They're buying socks and winter coats and and things like that. Gloves, mittens. I mean. They are packing backpacks every weekend with food and snacks and, um, you know, toiletries. And they're doing this um, during the summer, too, making sure, you know, kids have what they need um, all summer long. So I would say that the biggest change is that the the things that um, educators are buying out of their pockets are not necessarily the things that yeah. that I bought when I first started. I mean, this sounds to me like the wheels coming off the the system, the the teacher having to be the backstop to everything, which that's not where we should be. I mean, that that's not where we should be, but that's that's where we are. So this is why Governor Dayton is asking for another $137.9 million. And Republicans here so far have refused to even give his idea a hearing. I mean, you pay attention to what's going on in the legislature. Do you think there's a snowball's chance that this is going to have, uh, you know, be able to get through in the next few days? Well, I sure hope so. I mean, I'm always, I'm always hoping. Um, I know that there is a, you know, the question is, is this really an emergency? And I believe it is. 
I believe that anytime anybody loses their job, it's an emergency. Mm-hmm. I think that when um, students are going to have higher class sizes, that's a big deal. I think when they're going to be denied, um, you know, important programs like art and music and physical education, that is a big problem. Like, that should not be happening in Minnesota. Um, that's not good for kids. So is it an emergency? It's an emergency, and I hope that we can talk about it. Now, there's other legislation pending, I think, that might actually exacerbate, exacerbate the problem. Uh, we have a constitutional amendment right now. It sounds totally unrelated. It's about uh, taking money from the sales tax, the general fund, and directing it to building you know, roads and bridges, which is probably something that's going to pull very well. But this could have a very detrimental impact on education, couldn't it? Absolutely. And you're right. I mean, when you, you know, take a first look at this um, constitutional amendment, it does pull well. Um, but when you spend about five extra minutes talking about what this really is about and the choices that um, are going to have to be made when it comes to limited um, revenue, um, then it's a different story. Then the polling isn't <laughs> one-sided. Mm. It's pretty even. And I just believe that when you're looking at a, um, a constitutional amendment that has a 50-50 chance of winning um, after you tell the whole story, that's incredibly divisive. And I can't imagine bringing something to the voters that are going to divide us even more um, at a time when we need to be more united. Uh, that, of course, uh, like all constitutional amendments in Minnesota, does not need the governor's signature. It just needs to be passed in the House and Senate, which are controlled by the Republicans. Although I'm seeing from my uh, colleagues at the uh, state legislature, the reporters here, that they think it might be dead in the Senate. So we'll have to see what goes on with that. You're watching, obviously, watching what happens here as we head down to the last few days. Uh, what bills are you concerned about in the mix of uh, what might was going to end up on the governor's desk here at the end of this whole thing? Sure. Well, when this when the session started, I mean, we really weren't expecting much. You know, um, we had our eyes on the pension bill. That is something that should have happened last year. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why you know that can't make it to his desk and get a signature. Um, the one-time funding, we've got an eye on that. Look, we've got a surplus, um, and we should be spending the surplus on. Um, the values of Minnesotans and what matters to them. And I believe that public education matters to Minnesotans. So if we can get that pension bill passed and we can get some funding um, to minimize the damage um, to our students this year, that would be great. That would be awesome. That would be a win. And that if it's a win for education, I think it's a win for all of us. Uh, we've been speaking with Education Minnesota President uh, Denise Specht. Um, I just, I just hope that the the constitutional amendment does not get on the ballot because this is I I, I like I hearken back to the last uh, couple of divisive ones we had, which was the voter ID amendment and the marriage amendment. Uh, it took a lot of time and money to educate people on what exactly those things meant. Finally, luckily, people did understand what the the consequences of doing those things were. And I really hope at some point here that uh, we change – one constitutional amendment I would support is that it takes two-thirds of the legislature to put these things on the ballot because it's just too easy to throw something out there divisive that's red meat for the election. So, uh, Denise, I, I, I agree. I, I, I appreciate you coming on today and all, as always, uh, a joy to have you on the program. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. We're going to take a break here, but when we get back, some notes here from the campaign trail and your phone calls, 952-946-6205. You're listening to The Mike McEntee Show here on AM 950. Hi, this is Matt from the Green Home Doctors. Do your ceilings show signs of unwanted moisture? Is your home warmer than you want? This means your insulation needs a tune-up and you're leaking expensive air conditioning in the summer. Green Home Doctors analyze your home with specialized equipment and prescribe a remedy that will save you money and save you energy, no matter what the season. Take advantage of rebates from Excel Energy and Centerpoint Energy and make your home healthier today. Visit GreenHomeDR.com. 
Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at Seward.coo. Crazy about pets? We are too. The Pet Connection Show is a great venue for fun, informative, and creative conversations about pets. Join myself, Kathy Menard, and Dr. Nicole Parole, along with guests who are leaders in the dynamic and growing pet industry, as we discuss healthcare, relationships, behaviors, and even political issues as they relate to our pets. So come, sit, stay for the Pet Connection Show, Sundays 11 a.m. to noon on AM 950 Radio, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's home improvement season, and you know there's lots of projects to tackle. Here's one that won't break the budget. Get your carpet cleaned by Zero Res. If you have pets and kids banging around, you know your carpet needs some love. This month, get three rooms Zero Resified, starting at $139. Plus, this month, save $50 when you get your air ducts Zero Res clean. Call 952-ZERO-RES or visit ZeroResMN.com. Zero Res. Spell it backward or forward, it spells the same. Hey, it's the Mike McEntee Show here on AM 950. Norman Goldman is coming up here after the news. Um, news from the campaign trail because we are getting very close to the uh, DFL convention that will be happening in Rochester on June 1st. Uh, the whole one of the, the big highlight is going to be endorsing somebody for governor. Of course, we have three candidates: Rebecca Otto, Aaron Murphy, and Tim Walls, who are vying for this. Uh, today, Aaron Murphy uh, picked up the endorsement from Outfront Minnesota. That's an important one. They say that they re- believe Aaron Murphy is the best candidate for governor and will lead Minnesota towards an LGBTQ liberation, and that will be uh, she will execute a model of people-centered governing that will bring marginalized communities to the center of an important policy decisions that affect us. Uh, other campaign notes here, and I, I, I don't get usually do this on Facebook, but we have comments on Facebook, and uh, Deborah commented, reminds me that Rebecca Otto is having an event tonight over at Lakes and Legends. Uh, check out her progressive platform, says Deborah. So uh, there. Uh, and also, uh, Lisa mentions what we were talking about earlier. America has been calling people of color savages for hundreds of years. He, Trump, that's who we're speaking about, is speaking to his base as well as the racist amongst among us. And that was, of course, uh, Donald Trump's comment about that immigrants, some immigrants, are animals. 952-946-6205, if you have some thoughts on that. Mark has some thoughts on that. Uh, hey, Mark, welcome to the program. Hey, Mike. Yeah, you know, just this, these fact-free hyperbolic dissertations by people like Sanders, um, Sarah Sanders. Right. Um, you know, and, and her admonition of, you know, this heinous criminal group, MS-13, and, and, and calling them out for murderous and, and, and inhuman acts. And, you know, maybe this is a Yanni and a Laurel thing, but for me, for them to be critical and calling out this particular group legitimately as murderous and inhuman and but by comparison the lack of attention given or our country and our spokespeople giving um, free reign of the government of Israel to kill other brown people in inhuman fashion and in defense of these acts, you know, we got to take the blinders off, folks. Mm-hmm. we got to look at the big picture. If you're horrified by what MS-13 does, how can you not be horrified at a country that we give massive financial support and um, our United... You know, Nikki Haley... United Nations Secretary, right. blocked an investigation into this. What she does is a reflection of what America is. And if you're 
morally repulsed by morally repulsive people and acts, why aren't you as equally upset? In fact, we're giving license for these things to occur. And we're not only looking the other way. We are allowing them to happen. And, you know, we're a country that can't take care of their own people. We're a country, health-wise, 43% of Americans are living on uh, subsidized benefits from the government because companies like Amazon that doesn't pay any taxes um, and their employees, you know, uh, have to apply for for food stamps and, 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 and Walmart. But, again... When both parties are wrong, we're all wrong. Yeah, I and go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go I, ahead I was going to say, I, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm hearkening back to your comments here about Israel and the what we, the carnage that we saw there. I just got to think, you know, the Trump administration. What happens here if they build a wall and we have immigrants climbing the wall? Are are they going to you know do the same things? Just start firing off into Mexico and and killing people because you know people are trying to get into the country and we're going to say, well, that's fine. I mean, well, that's, that's kind of, and it's equivocation here, but that's kind of where I see, see this world heading, and it gets me worried. Well, you're absolutely correct, because not heading, Mike, we're there. I, I know, but I'm— We I'm, are there. And, and in fact, Facebook disabled my Facebook page for being too political. Okay. Um, I can't imagine you being too political, Mark. Right. But Ann Coulter just said on Twitter— I don't know if you heard about this or not. Ann Coulter just said on Twitter, when can we start doing that? And she was making <laughs> reference to the Israeli yep, military exactly. killing. And so that is, that is a horrible, inflammatory, just inhuman comment. And I don't see Twitter as disabling her access to Twitter. You know, why doesn't that hate speech get censored? And, you know, it, they're, they're, ab- to, they're able to catch 8% of it now, they say, so it's only 92% really bad. Well, here, maybe I'll just give uh, Twitter a heads up and, and tell them that uh, this, this horrible, racist, inflammatory, egregious, genocidal tweet was made by Ann Coulter, and, and it's, you know, it's still out there. But there's, there's people that think like that. Yeah. yeah and, that's... you know, but we, if we're morally opposed, we have to be, you know, we have to look at where is our scope of responsibility? And, and where is the outcry for the atrocities? We hear for a week on mainstream media that a Trump official said, you know, a, a horrible thing about John McCain, and, and don't worry about it, he's going to be dead. We heard about that for a week. Right. And, you know, we're not getting the information to process what's actually going on when we're focusing on, you know, all of this, these, you know, ancillary issues. You know, the things that were going on and, and, and Trump's decisions of late um, and the uh, license to kill by the state of Israel that we actually fully endorse and support by massive economic funding. And we've got politicians that are trying to outlaw anybody speaking negatively about Israel. Hey, now, Mark, I, I got to stop. I got to stop you there because we are out of time. But I, I think you've made your point, and I, I agree with you. There's, there's a lot of hate speech out there, and people, we we got to we got to deal with it. We absolutely got to deal with it. Uh, tomorrow on the show, uh, a topic that's not real a great one, but it's teen suicide. There's a show called Thirteen Reasons Why, a Netflix show that starts its second season, has Minnesota mental health advocates concerned that the show is promoting teen suicide. We'll talk about that. We'll see you then. It's Mike McEntee.